You're listening to the Earn That Body podcast, episode number 73. Welcome to the Earn That Body show with Kim Eagle. Kim is an award-winning personal trainer. She trains her clients all over the world online and is passionate about empowering people by getting fit and healthy. Hey, everybody. This is Kim Eagle with the Earn That Body podcast, here to bring you health and fitness and nutrition information every week, or almost every week, I should say. I wanted to give a huge thank you. I've been getting a lot of emails lately, and people actually have been saying the same exact words, which are, we are obsessed with your podcast, or they actually say, like, I am obsessed with your podcast, and I love that, and it's so nice to get that type of feedback because I don't make money doing the podcast. I really do it. It's sort of a labor of love because I want to help spread as much health awareness as possible to as many people as I can reach. And that's why I do the podcast. So I love those emails. Thank you so much. I'm glad you appreciate the content that I'm giving. And always, if you are a fan of the podcast and you really enjoy it, the best way to thank me is to go onto iTunes and write a rating or review or a rating and review, I guess I should say. Just go right onto iTunes. You can give it like how many stars and write a little review. That helps me bump up sort of in the iTunes world so that more people can find the podcast. So if you want to say thank you, that would be a great way to do it. All right, we have a great topic today. It is a topic that I've actually done before. I think it was the second podcast I ever did, but I want to re-emphasize some of it and add to it. And so we're going to be talking about food labels today and how tricky so many of them are. And there's just, there's so many ways that they're saying things on food boxes and, uh, you know, packages these days. And so I really want to go over which ones you should be looking out for. And another reason is because kids are starting to catch on to these labels and they are not understanding what they actually mean. So that's going to be the topic today. First, I always want to give you sort of a tip of the day or a trivia information type of thing. Today, I want to talk about um, quickly or your tip of the day or Maybe I should say your science of the day. Emotional eating, parents pass it on to their kids. So this is a research study that I was just reading about, and it says that a tendency to eat for emotional reasons, such as when worried, annoyed, or anxious, is an important contributor to excess weight gain. And while emotional eating is a known cause of obesity, what turns people into emotional eaters is not as well understood. So what Norwegian researchers did was they set out to comprehend the relationship by asking lots of parents out there to rate the frequency of certain parental feeding practices they had, like giving a child something to eat to make them feel better when they are upset, and children's eating practices like eating more when angry. So according to the study published in April 2017, In the addition of child development, the researchers found that parental emotional feeding of young children was highly related to emotional eating in the children as they got older. So this is also actually a topic that I've talked about before on one of my podcasts, and it's sort of about that comfort food eating and where does that come from. And so this research is basically 
saying exactly what I had said, that, you know, we learn it from a very young age and we often teach it to our children by giving them that comfort food when they are upset or anxious or they didn't win that ball game or whatever it might be that's sort of a negative or a depression for them, then we try to give them ice cream or let's go for donuts. And that is creating a habit. Uh, and it, and that can continue with them through life. And I think, you know, so many of us had had that, you know, and, and back in the day when I was little, you know, they didn't do all this research, but now they are starting to. And so it's definitely something if you do this with your child now, it could continue to be a problem later in life that that's always what they're going to use to soothe themselves with. So um, just recently, actually, with my son, he's 15 and he sort of had a, a bummed out day. You know, something was going on with him. He was bummed out and the inclination was let's go for ice cream to cheer him up. But I, I don't do that. I obviously, I, you know, I've already learned well that that's not the way to go. So I wanted to cheer him up and it's, I think it's good to do that, to be, you know, you're their cheerleader and to do your best, but I wasn't going to use food to do it. My son loves music. And so I said, Hey, you want to go and uh, check out some vinyl albums right now? And maybe let's go get a new one. And that brought him joy. And that excited him. And then he can, you know, listen to the album at home. And that was a better way to help him than giving him ice cream to soothe the situation. So that's just some research that's been coming out. And for all you moms and dads out there who are listening, just something to think about the next time your your little one or maybe your teenager has a bad day. Instead of going for the food, maybe you buy a new book even, um, even a toy if you have to, if you're really trying to tear them up, but try not to make it food. Okay, moving right into our topic for the day, food labels. They are so tricky because we live in a world of marketing, right? And so all these products want you to buy them and they're willing to pretty much put anything out there on the box, on the package, whatever they have to do, so you pick their choice. So we're gonna talk about lots of good ones today and let's let's start off with the first one, which is how companies sort of hide what's really in their product. And the first thing on the label that they sort of mess with to trick you is serving size. So say you're that confident shopper and you're like, I'm gonna check the label and you turn it around and you look and it says, okay, well, it only has, you know, 50 calories in it and it only has maybe 10 grams of sugar in it, depending on what it is. And so you're looking at all that and you're thinking, okay, that's pretty good, right? but you didn't look at the serving size. And so perhaps that bottle of whatever it is you're drinking actually had three servings in that one bottle. So then it's three times all those numbers that I just talked about. It's three times the 10 grams of sugar, right? So serving size is very important that you take a look at. And one way that companies hide how unhealthy their products are is by shrinking the serving size because they know that most people aren't going to look at that. So a really good example is um, they talk about Campbell's Chunky Classic Chicken Noodle Soup. All right, so that soup is one cup uh, for a serving size. Right? And according to a national survey, 
1,000 consumers said that <laughs> that they would, and that's 10% of people, they would never eat just one cup of that soup. They would eat the whole can, right? Isn't that what you usually do? You open a can of soup, you pour the whole thing in the pot, you heat it up, and then you eat it. Well, just so you know, one cup is the serving size on that. And so actually like the sodium in that soup was like off the charts if you looked at it by how many servings were in one can. So don't be fooled by the serving size. Always check it. Make sure you see, well, how many servings is it? You know, kombucha, which tons of us drink, I drink it too, and it depends on the brand because some have a lot more sugar than others, but it usually has two servings in one bottle. So definitely check that out. Now, another tricky food label is when you see the word natural on a package. Um, you will often see all natural or natural and it's written big and it's across the front of the box. From a food science perspective, it is difficult to define a food product that is quote unquote natural because the food has probably been processed and is no longer what they call a product of the earth. That said, the FDA has not developed a definition for use of the term natural or its derivatives. However, the agency has not objected to the use of the term if the food does not contain added color, artificial flavors, or synthetic substances. So there's really a lot of unknowns with what can be done and them titling it natural on the label because the FDA has not really developed a definition that people have to go by. I think it's funny because honestly, there are some brands that make more than one type of product. So what do I mean? So the, say peanut butter, for example. It can have the regular version and then it can have a natural version. And I'm gonna give you an example of Jif peanut butter because a client just had this on a food log and I was like, oh, natural Jif. I didn't know Jif made natural peanut butter because I've always sort of looked down on Jif because they have a, usually a ton of bad ingredients in it. So I was like, oh, let's look at the difference between natural Jif and, and their regular products. And so I look onto the GIF site and they have several different types of peanut butter and the natural GIF peanut butter is better than their other version because it doesn't have hydrogenated oil in it. So I just wish they would only make it that way then because we know that hydrogenated oils are not good. They're not healthy. People should not be ingesting them. So why do they make one with and one without? Just make one version. And I'm sure you pay more for the natural version. And I think that's a shame too. It's like, you're not adding something, you know, good in it. You're, you're, you're just not putting the bad thing in it. And so there's many products out there that, a brand, I should say, that you really have to look at each product individually. Each product is not created equal by a brand. And they may have a good one, and they may have a natural one that's slightly better, not necessarily healthy yet, but again, it's something you have to look at, and you do have to read the label to find that out. So let's talk about trans fat free labels. You may see a label that says trans fat free. Trans fats are bad for your health, just so you know. Most people know this by now. We do not wanna have trans fats. They are not good for you, you should avoid them. The word trans fat free can be stated on any product that has less than 0.5 grams of trans fat per serving. So what do you think that means if you have many, many, many servings of that food item? 
you will be ingesting a lot more trans fat than just less than 0.5 grams. So you have to realize that trans fat free does not actually mean that it doesn't have trans fat. It just has less than 0.5 grams potentially. So you would have to really keep an eye on the serving size if you didn't want to take in a lot of trans fat. Honestly, if you don't know, you know, if you're like, how do I know if it has 0.5 or not? Just look at the label. And if you see anything like partially hydrogenated oils on it, then it has likely some type of trans fat in it. So I would not buy anything. If you see the words hydrogenated oils, just put it back. You don't want it, even if it says trans fat free. Now, the next one is reduced or lowered fat, sugar, or sodium. Now this one's very interesting. We've got two different things here, reduced or lowered. And those actually mean two different things. So when you're looking at the label of the food, if it says reduced in fat, sugar, or sodium, it actually means the product has at least 25% less of that ingredient than the company's regular version of that same exact product. Well, that's good. That means it's better than the regular version. However, if the first, you know, regular version had so much of it, and now you're reducing it by 25%, it still could have so much of it. So here's an example. One brand of soy sauce could contain 920 milligrams of sodium per one half ounce serving. And that, just so you know, is more than half the sodium you can have per day if you were on a reduced sodium diet. Now the reduced sodium version contains 575 milligrams of sodium, and that is still a lot. I always tell my clients, if you look at a product and it has 500 or more milligrams of sodium in it per serving, it's probably too much. Because again, if you look at the size of a serving, you're probably having way more than one serving. So anything with over 500 milligrams of sodium is too much. Now, if the label says the product is low fat or low sodium, that's different than reduced fat or sodium. <laughs> that's how they do things these days. It's different. Low fat foods must have less than three grams total fat per serving, and low sodium foods must contain less than 140 milligrams of sodium per serving. So you do want to go for the low fat, low sodium versus reduced fat sodium. Now, I'm not telling you you should go and only buy low fat foods and low sodium foods. I'm just telling you if you compare low fat to reduced fat, you want that low one instead of reduced. Got it? <laughs> because they are making these distinctions in how they label things. Again, it's a marketing thing. Don't just pick it up and go, oh, it's reduced fat and assume that that is better for you. It is not necessarily. And when it comes to dairy and you're gonna ask me, well, I heard we should have full fat dairy now and so why are you telling us to have low fat? I'm not telling you to have low fat. I'm telling you that low fat is different than reduced fat according to the label. And I did a whole podcast just so you know on dairy. So just go onto SoundCloud or go to earnthatbody.com and go to my podcast uh, tab, scroll down to dairy and I'll tell you if you should be having low fat, no fat or full fat. All right, that's that. Now, what about when the label says light? It is light yogurt, you know? It is it's gonna have the light word posted all over it. 
For a food to be considered light, it has to have one-third fewer calories, fat, or sodium than the regular version of the same product. So that puts us back to where we just were. If that regular version of the same product has a ton of calories, fat, or sodium, then one-third fewer is better, but could still be a whole lot. So telling us that it's light does not by any means mean that it is better for you. Now, whenever I see the word light, I will not even pick the item up because in general, if it is light, they took something out of it and put something back in it because it didn't taste good when they took that thing out of it. And usually the thing they put back in is an artificial sweetener. So I see it a lot with yogurts. This light yogurt has less calories because they took the sugar out and now they put aspartame in, which is an artificial sweetener. It is no good for you. You do not want it. I would rather you just have a little bit of sugar. So I don't consider sugar to be the devil. It's the quantity of sugar that is the devil. But if you are just having moderate amounts, you can have sugar and you always want to have that over an artificial sweetener. So again, when I see light, almost always it's because they put an artificial sweetener in there. So something that you want to take a look at. Now, let's talk about going from, what was it, light to no sugar added, because this is a very good one. The kids pick up the juice and they go, look, mom, no sugar added. I can have this one, right? Well, just so you know, fruits, fruit juice, milk, and certain vegetables, these are all examples of natural sugars found in foods. And all of those things, are fairly healthy when nothing is added to them, but it doesn't mean you can have unlimited amounts because sugar is still sugar. So you have to be very careful. But especially when it comes to that fruit juice, that is generally where you're gonna see this label, no sugar added. Uh, you'll see it on other things too, but no sugar added does not mean it does not have sugar in it. So I like to use fruit juice as the example because say for example, orange juice says no sugar added. It is not no sugar in it. It's just that they didn't add any on top of the sugar that's already in all the oranges. And you really have to be careful because the amount of sugar in juices is incredibly high. So am I telling you not to have juice and not to give your children juice? I'm telling you, you need to limit the amount because really you're getting a whole lot of sugar and not a whole lot else because most of these fruit juices also, they don't have any fiber in them. You're better off giving your child or yourself the actual orange and getting fiber with that natural sugar, you know? But having the fruit juice where it's so easy to chug down so many servings, I mean, are you measuring out an actual serving of your orange juice? Because you have no idea how many servings you're probably taking in and how much sugar and how many calories are actually in that. Now, it's funny because recently, um, you know, we do have orange juice in the house and I'm I have some sometimes, and my son likes it as well. So we just have it limited in quantity. We don't down the whole thing. But recently I said, oh, let's get the full pulp version so that we get that fiber too. Because you'll often see with the orange juice, it'll say like no pulp. And this one said full pulp. So, so I said, okay, let's get that. Then I looked at the label when I got home, which was my first error, because I almost always look at labels before I buy the product. Full pulp orange juice has zero fiber. So 
I don't understand the point of that. That's got to be my next research product because I always thought the pulp was where the fiber was, which is why you would get that one if you needed and wanted that fiber. But just so you know, you don't have to, at least not that brand. And it was organic from Whole Foods, but um, no fiber in it. So be very cautious of the no sugar added bit because it doesn't mean it doesn't have sugar in it. It just means they don't add more. And then that leads to the next one, which is sugar free. Anything that says it's sugar-free, it, it can have less than 0.5 grams of sugar per serving and usually means it has an artificial sweetener in it. So basically, if it says sugar-free, I will never buy it. And if it says sugar-free, I tell my clients, do not buy it. And if they list sugar-free something on their food log, I always say to them, tell me the ingredients in this item. And almost always, it has an artificial sweetener like aspartame or sucralose. So sugar-free... For one, doesn't mean it doesn't have sugar. It just means it has less than 0.5 grams per serving. And also it usually just means it has an artificial sweetener instead, which is actually way, way worse for you. The next label, USDA Organic. This is probably one of the few that I do want to see on uh, my food. Right now, the most meaningful label, that's what they say, on your food in terms of upholding specific government requirements is the USDA organic seal. So for a product to be certified organic, it's actually required to meet specific standards. The first one, organic crops cannot be grown with synthetic fertilizers, synthetic pesticides, or sewage sludge. Is that amazing that they have to actually state that? It cannot have sewage sludge. It cannot be grown with sewage sludge. Lovely. The next one, organic crops cannot be genetically engineered or irradiated. The next one, animals must eat only organically grown feed without animal byproducts and can't be treated with synthetic hormones or antibiotics. To me, that's the huge one, is I know if this is stamped with that USDA organic symbol that they will not be treated with hormones and antibiotics. That's very important to me. So that's an important one for me to see. Also, animals must have access to the outdoors and must have access to pasture. And the last one, animals cannot be cloned. So these are very specific standards that have to take place in order for it to get that USDA organic stamp of approval. So I don't see anything wrong with that particular label. Now, what if it just says made with organic? So this claim makes it appear that the food has more of the specific organic ingredients than it really does. So you look at that box or you look at that bag and it says made with organic. So you're like, okay, this is organic. Well, that is not actually so. So for example, if something is labeled as made with organic ingredients, only 70% of the ingredients need to actually be organic. And the remaining 30% do not have to be organic at all. So fully organic foods will state 100% organic. I mean, I actually think that this is pathetic. <laughs> like made with organic, only 70%, like which person decided, okay, if it's made with organic, only 70% of it has to be organic. I mean it's clear that it's going to fool and trick people, right? So you would think there would be someone out there rooting for us, but it's almost like they're not because we live in a marketing world and really big companies want us to buy their food and they're willing to do it any way they can. So they can write 
made with organic and only have 70% of the ingredients be organic because that is what someone somewhere in the food world who decides what we can and can't eat and the labels have to say, that's what they have decided, 70%. So read the ingredients, read the label further and make sure it says 100% organic if that is something that is important to you. And that leads right into the next one, which is very similar, which is labeled whole grain. Some food labels might carry the claim made with whole grains, but it doesn't actually mean that they're 100% whole grain. These products can contain only a small amount of whole grain and a substantial amount of refined flours, which is what you don't want. So again, you have to look at the ingredient list and if you do not see 100% whole grain or 100% whole wheat, you want to put it back and find a different product. Now, what about grass-fed? Grass-fed means that after weaning, an animal's primary source of food comes from grass or forage, not from grains such as corn. There are no uniform government standards for this label, although some companies submit their own standards to the USDA so that they can put a grass-fed claim on their products. Well, that does not sound encouraging. <laughs> this does not tell you if antibiotics or hormones were used on the animal or what conditions it lived in. So grass-fed does not necessarily mean it's healthy. It could have hormones, it could have antibiotics. Uh, you know, it, it was grass-fed, but there's still a lot of other issues that it can have. So it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the best option. Now, what about when it says no hormones? or no added hormones, or raised without added hormones, or no hormones administered, or no synthetic hormones. All that means that the animal received no synthetic hormones. Hormone-free labels do not, however, disclose what the animals were fed if they had access to pasture. So federal law prohibits the use of hormones on hogs and poultry, which is really interesting because any hormone-free label on pork and poultry products is intended to basically mislead the shopper into thinking that it should have a higher price. So the law already prohibits the use of hormones on basically the pork and poultry. So if they're then trying to highlight that to you, it's probably because they're trying to justify that higher price, which again, I think it's just, it's a shame that this is even going on. Um, let's talk about the fact that really I'm looking through all of these different, I'm like, you know, I'm pages and pages and pages of all these confusing labels. And honestly, at the end of the day, what you have to take away from this is that we have to take responsibility for what we ingest. And you have to read your labels these days. You have to pick it up. You have to turn it around. You have to look at the ingredients. I still do it all the time. And another thing that you have to realize that's really important is that not all brands even have products that are all created equal. So just like with the GIF product example, you know, they may have five different types of peanut butter and only one of them might be healthy or none of them. You know, one of them might have artificial sweetener, one of them might not. One might have dye in it, one might not. And yet it's the same brand. So sometimes we trust a brand and we think, oh, they have only healthy options. Not true. You still have to check all of the ingredients 
even in a brand you like because they might have included something in some and something in another. Um, Stevia is an example of that. And not, I'm not going to get into the whole Stevia talk right now. But yes, Stevia is considered, quote unquote, natural sweetener. But I still consider that the fact that they actually do process it. And there are many things that have stevia in some of their flavors but not all their flavors so again i'm always checking ingredients to make sure it doesn't have certain things like stevia i'm not telling you not to eat stevia i'm telling you i don't eat stevia so at the end of the day we have to take responsibility for what we choose to buy what we choose to eat and how we look at these labels it is up to us because there are too many people out there in the marketing world who are trying to trick us okay I do really feel like back in the day, our grandparents did not have 12 million options for bread. And therefore, they were not being tricked into which bread to pick. You know, like things were just easier. But we do live in a marketing world now, and we can get sucked into words that we think are healthy. And our children can as well. So this is a great time. Educate your children. I mean, explain to them what I have been explaining to you today about why certain things, you know, sugar-free might not be the best option. And let's be smarter than all of this marketing going on. Don't be the kid who buys the cereal because it has a great toy in it. Isn't that really what's going on in some ways? It's like you look at it, oh, it has this label on it. It's like a great toy. You think doesn't mean that it makes the product good for you. So a few quick things as a really quick takeaway that I look for when I look at a label, I am looking for these things and it can mean that I will or will not buy it if I see these things. The first thing is if I see aspartame, sucralose, or high fructose corn syrup, I will not buy this product because that is an artificial sweetener. It, bad, bad, bad. You do not want that. If I see anything with the word artificial, I will not buy it. So you'll often see artificial sweetener. You'll see artificial coloring. You'll see artificial flavor. If the word artificial is in the ingredients, I will not buy it. Then if it says trans fat or hydrogenated oils, I will not buy it. For me, fruit, vegetables, meat, and dairy, I'm very particular. It has to be organic. All right, that 100% organic. So that for me is something that I look for for my fruit, vegetables, meat, and dairy. If it says there is dye in it, so you'll see something like red 40. You'll see a color and a number. That means there's dye in it. I will not eat that. That is a chemical. If there's anything with dye, it is a no-no for me. And the last one that you'll see in a lot of dairy items that they're talking about more and more lately is carrageenan. That is also a no-no, not good for you, and you have to check your milk products. So every time I buy any kind of dairy product, I have to check if carrageenan is in it. Um, and sometimes it's in like a brand that I'm like, God, I thought that was a healthy brand, but it still has it in it. So check for all of those different things. Those are the things that I look at. That's sort of your, your quick grab of what to eyeball, if you can, in some of the labeling of the ingredients. I hope that helps you. God, as I go through it, it's like I'm almost winded and sad about it that our food has become so complicated. But yeah, you know, this is what we do. We learn and we teach people, teach your children, teach your friends, teach your family. If you like this podcast, if you found it helpful, please give it a share on social media. Let's help some other people learn about this as well. What do I have coming up soon? Um, the Earn That Body program 
We have the holiday challenge coming up in December. It is a two-week challenge where you get access to the all-new Rock That six-pack videos. There are, gosh, there's five videos in the series. So we're going to be rocking that six-pack, and we use the two-week challenge in December as a way to not gain weight over the holidays. So if you're interested in joining us, uh, it's open to anybody. It's all online. It's so much fun. There's prizes. And I mean, there's no better way to end a holiday season than by not being up 10 pounds, right? So go to shockthatbody.com if you want to get more information on the holiday challenge. Also, the full 12-week Earn That Body program starts November 27th. It is probably the most sold out program of the year. Because the pre-season, or the pre-session, I should say, called Ramp It Up, will get you through December. But it's a pre-session, and so we're not logging calories, and it's not super intense. It's just sort of like guidelines to get you ready for the full six weeks of Earn That Body. So even if you have uh, travel coming up during December, this is just a great way to help you not be gaining weight during those times. And then January 8th is when the actual Earn That Body six-week program starts. So everybody with their New Year's resolutions wants to make sure they have a spot in Earn That Body for January. So you wanna be in the November 27th session. That is when the pre-session starts. More information on that, just shoot me an email, kim at earnthatbody.com or just go to www.earnthatbody.com. That's everything for this week. I hope you have an awesome week, team. Make sure you read those labels and a couple fantastic podcast episodes coming up before the end of the new year. I can't believe like we are headed into the final month. So let's keep on track and finish 2017 strong. For more information about Kim Eagle's online programs, go to earnthatbody.com or check out Earn That Body on all forms of social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube.